Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 555, air date April 2nd, 2020. Here we go there. Okay. We're viewing the broadcast here. Yeah, we're set up there. Okay. Okay, good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Adure. Hope you're all doing well. It is a interesting set of events that are taking place. What I wanted to do... Uh, today was to really, the title of the talk here is Know the Truth, uh, Be the Light, Find Your Way. Um, you know, I grew up in a tradition in uh, when I was a kid with my grandmother in India who would tell me these amazing stories. You know, she was a poor farmer, um, but she was a healer. Uh, also, she practiced traditional systems of Indian medicine. Good morning. Uh, and what I want to share with you is that she would tell me these amazing stories about amazing heroes and how they would have to vanquish um, evil and about the importance of honor and duty. So I grew up with these uh, very, very rich traditions of wonderful stories, epic stories. You know, we didn't have, um, uh, I couldn't, we couldn't go to movie theaters or we didn't have TV, but my grandmother would tell these amazing, amazing stories. But one of the rich traditions that I grew up under was to understand the concept of cycles that the earth itself goes through various cycles. If you believe in this concept, you know, everything in nature seems to go through different seasons. But one of the concepts here was that um, human development actually goes through various cycles. We start at one point in human history where we have the golden age, where people have the highest morality, the highest standards, everyone works hard. And that in the uh, one tradition was called the golden age. And then um, that sort of devolves down to what's called the Silver Age, where people are, you know, less honorable, but still they're reasonably good. And then you go to the Bronze Age, and then you come to sort of the Dark Ages. In the Indian tradition, this was called the Kali Yuga, K-A-L-I-Y-U-G-A, and you can look it up. And the Kali Yuga was um, meant to be a time when you had a tremendous amount of evil in the world. Um, and if you look uh, in, in the Hindu calendar, for example, or in various traditions, that started around 5,000 years ago. You know, I think in the uh, Christian tradition, we believe the earth is around 6,000 years old. But anyway, um, the important point is that there was this notion that the earth went through cycles, but it would get to a point where we would reach this very dark age. In the spiritual traditions that I was brought up with, including Christianity and many other very rich traditions, the notion was that during this period, two things would be taking place, massive amounts of darkness, but also an awesome opportunity for people to become enlightened, which means to actually become aware of what was going on them. So both would be going on. You'd have massive amounts of evil, massive amounts of corruption at its height, but at the same time, there would be opportunities for people to actually know the truth, be the light, and find your way. That's sort of the simplest way I can uh, describe this. So it would be a way to know the truth. What that means is to start using our own common sense, our discernment, to actually connect the dots. And then for ourselves to imbue that knowledge into ourselves so we could actually be the light and then find our own way um, for not only our own advancement, but for the advancement of others. So that's why I wanted to talk about know the truth, be the light, and find your way. Because if you're looking at what's going on in the media right now, if you're looking at the people that are surrounding Donald Trump, the president, Fauci, the, F, the, the CDC, the WHO, he's surrounded by the big pharma deep state. Um, and that deep state extends to China, the Chinese 
government. I'm not talking about the Chinese people, the Chinese Communist Party. It includes the Gates Foundation. It includes the WHO. It includes the Chan Zuckerberg Foundation. It includes a set of the elites, including the Clinton Global Initiative, who despised popular movements rising from bottoms up. And that's the essence what we need to understand. They despise working people. These people have a, a hatred towards people like you and me who actually work for a living and who actually earn our way. These people believe that they know better, that they are driven by power, profit, and control, not truth, freedom, and health. So they have created a world that's based on deception. And they have mastered deception at a very deep level. And what we see going on right now with this coronavirus stuff is the penultimate of deception. We have Fauci, who is a complete deceiver. His entire career was based on a deception of the immune system. He deceived people to think that, you know, viruses can kill everyone, that he deceived people by not sharing with them the actual knowledge, which I've been doing over the last many videos, that the immune system, when it's properly fed, properly aligned, will take care of your body. Vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin C, proper food, sunlight, etc. Your body will take care of you. And the reality is that people who are suffering are people who are immunocompromised. So we've also shared videos where the immune system is the operating system of your body. So if we want to win truth, freedom, and health, let's start with our own bodies, learn how to take care of our bodies, and understand that the immune system wants to work with you. It's your immune system that it wants you to do well. And part of that is you, you want to support that. The immunocompromised people, as people age, our seniors, as people who eat horribly, or um, in many minor cases, some genetic issue, but fundamentally, it's a dirty air, dirty water, and dirty food. It's affected certain people. They become immunocompromised. And when they're immunocompromised, their own body, when a pathogen comes in, overreacts, and it attacks their own body. This is the truth, but Pharma Fauci, the CDC, the FDA, the WHO does not want to talk about this. They're based on deception. So as a part of um, today, I want to share with you a couple of examples of deception that have taken place before. Uh, one in a personal way and one that has occurred about 10 years ago. Because it's about time that all of you start realizing that you cannot trust the media completely at all. You cannot trust academia and you cannot trust those people sound surrounding the president of the United States. He may himself be compromised. That is unclear to me. It's a question mark I have because how I see Fauci and these people constantly being thrust forward. So I have a couple of slides that I want to share with you here. Um, and what I want to start with, let me go back here, is something I'm going to have to sort of zoom forward here. We'll come back to these slides that are gonna talk about, but what I wanted to share with you here is something that's very interesting that occurred about around 2008, 2009. Some of you may remember that there was a uh, interesting set of events that the entire US economy, if you remember 2008 and nine crashed, okay? And there was an interesting movie, let me get back to this, there was an interesting movie done around that time called The Inside Job. Many of you may know that, yes, I, someone said he's not, um, uh, compromised. That's probably, uh, that's what we all pay for, pray for. But it's uh, Fauci and the uh, pharmaceutical companies are so into using this opportunity on behalf of the deep state to take down a populist president. 
not only here, but in other countries like India, like Modi. And they're also against populist movements. But if you look back at 2008-9, if you remember the economy crashed then, okay? And there was a great movie done called The Inside Job, if you have a chance to see it. And the, 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 the movie is really about, it won an Academy Award, whatever that means. But the movie really, at one point in the movie, they talked to this guy who is a, a professor at Columbia University. And he shares how before the, the, the economy crashed, he had written this amazing, beautiful you know, report called Financial Stability in Iceland, okay? Financial, one thing you need to understand about academics is they write these beautiful reports, they're nicely spaced, beautiful fonts, you know, to make themselves look like they're writing something of scholarly value. So this professor had written this um, paper here, which calls it Financial Stability in Iceland, and this paper essentially shared that Iceland is a great economy for people to invest in. And we know what happened a few months after this came out. The, the entire Icelandic economy collapsed because there were no fundamentals to that economy. And many, many people, everyday working people who had invested in these pension funds lost a lot of money. That was around that 2007-8 time frame. Now, in this movie, what's interesting is um, as the interviewer is talking to this professor, he goes, hey, you know, I'm going up to your website where you list your, your credentials as an academic. And by the way, this guy's a tenured professor of finance at Columbia. And after the collapse took place, this gentleman had changed his resume. It no longer said financial stability in Iceland, it said financial instability. So what I'm sharing with you is here's a professor at Columbia University who got lots of money from the Icelandic government to do a research paper saying how great it was to invest in Iceland. Billions of dollars went over to Iceland. The economy crashes two months later, and then he changes his own resume. Okay? Ultimate of deception. That's what he did. Now, that gentleman, in my view, should be in jail. We throw Wall Street guys in jail. We throw petty thieves in jail. But we don't throw these academics in jail until recently when that Harvard professor was thrown. So this is what I'm talking about. This is one of the biggest deceptions that took place, and this was 2008-9. Another example is for years, years, medical professionals used to tell people that it was okay to go smoke, that smoking was good for you. In fact, your, your dentist would recommend viceroys to smoke. This was what took place in the United States. And there's a great book that came out called The Golden Holocaust. It talks about the origins of the cigarette catastrophe and the case for abolition. It's a wonderful, uh, uh, we can talk about abolition. I think people should have their own rights. But the point is that it's an amazing journey of how academics and scientists told people that smoking was good for you, okay? That it was okay to smoke. Again, the academic establishment uh, working to create deception. And we also remember this famous story. This is actually um, the, a, a painting of Galileo being vilified because Galileo dared to say that the earth went around the sun and not the sun going around the earth. Remember, 97% of these academics at the time said that the sun went around the earth because the earth was supposedly the center. And this is a narrative that they built up. There was scientific consensus, like there was scientific consensus that CO2 is a pollutant, like there's scientific consensus that HIV causes AIDS, okay? And that's what Fauci and the deception is taking place. You see, when I was growing up, um, we would talk about the evil people my grandmother would tell about who were these 
devils, or we call them asuras, who would make up lies, who would deceive people. You know, they would create fear. And that's what we have people doing. These, the modern day academic is like those asuras. They're like the devils because they, they are not incented to tell the truth. What they're incented to tell is they're incented to tell what makes some money. And they are essentially the oldest profession. They're basically prostitutes today for the deep state. There may be a few good scientists, but they're far and few between. So this is that example. Now for me personally, what I wanna share with you is something that, you know, some of you, I've talked about it, but I think it's important that people get an idea of something that occurred many, many uh, in the recent past, but it wasn't so you know long ago. Let me go back to this. It, it is concerning the facts about the invention of email. Um, and I think this is important to talk about because um, in the context of what's going on with the coronavirus recently, um, many of you know I've been hammering Fauci. I've been exposing Fauci, who's, who's, who in my opinion is promoting fake science. And the New York Times, which is essentially a complete garbage newspaper, totally garbage newspaper. When I was young, they used to write some good articles, but now they have little toddlers. So after I attacked Fauci, the New York Times releases a article saying, you know, right-wingers, that's how they label you, ad hominems, um, are attacking Fauci, and they said, Shiva Dure, false claim to inventing email. The truth is I invented the first email system. But they confuse people through the same deception that hundreds of years ago that the sun goes around the earth or that Icelandic economy is a great economy or CO2 is a pollutant. So just to, so you guys can share this, you can see the level of deception. You know, when I was 14, I started working. I mean, I was a hardworking kid. You know, by the time I was 14, I'd finished all my math courses uh, in ninth grade calculus. And I got an amazing opportunity to go to New York University and study computer science in an intense program where only 40 students got elect, uh, selected. I was one of those students. After I finished that course, um, I was uh, given this amazing opportunity to start working full-time at what is now known as Rutgers Medical School. And I started using computers to understand why babies were dying in their sleep. I would watch, observe their sleep patterns, and I was applying computer methodologies to see if I could predict the onset of an apnea. And apnea is when the baby stops breathing. So as you, this is a 1978. I was a 14-year-old kid working as a full-time research fellow at a medical school while finishing up high school. And I was treated like an adult. I was given great opportunity. But my goal was, because of my interest in medicine, I was trying to figure out if I could watch those sleep patterns and predict when an apnea would take place. And I built some very cool methods to do that, which were published later, long before I came to MIT. While I was working there, um, I also had the opportunity to create the world's first email system. Some of you may know, if you're over the age of 40 and those people are younger, in those days there was someone called the secretary and the secretary would write this thing called a memo and the memo was put into these envelopes. And by the way, this memo had a very particular structure to, from, subject, you would do carbon copies. On the secretary's desktop was these inbox, outbox, folders, an address book, the typewriter. This was a modern desktop of the time and people would put these so if you were writing um, a memo, for example, so for example, if I was um, the doctor, by the way, in this medical institution, there was always these offices. The doctor was the boss, always a male, and the woman was uh, the, always a secretary. And on her desktop, she had the inbox, outbox folders, big folders, and the doctor would come dictate to the secretary. So someone said they used to be a secretary. Kathy, hi, how are you? I was one of them too. So the doctor would come dictate to the secretary, hey, uh, 
you know, Jane take this um, uh, dictation, she would type it up and she would put it in the drafts folder. The next day he would come redline it and then she would finally write up the final version. Sometimes it would, there was an attachment, let's say you were gonna hire someone, you would attach the attachment, put a little paper clip on it and then um, it would be, um, sometimes you had a carbon copy, she'd have to take the memo, put a carbon paper, put another paper and do a little carbon copy. So the notion of a carbon copy was literally a carbon copy. So you literally, uh, if you had to do 10 carbon copies, she'd be typing there a long time. But this was the inter-office mail system. The inter-office mail system. So this was how collaboration took place. And the envelope was always this inter-office envelope that you see here. And it was tied in a drawstring. And then the memo was sent around these very interesting pneumatic tubes. As you can see here, the envelope would be put there. Um, and then here, someone said, I'm a retired secretary my whole life, legal medical, business corporate. And this is how, this was the inner office mail system. Now, as a 14 year old kid, I was asked to convert that entire system. So all the liars out there, all the deceivers out there, who say that the military created email, it's a lie because they didn't even get anywhere near this and I'm gonna show you because they thought it was impossible. I was asked to convert this entire system to the electronic form and I called and that's what I did. I wrote 50,000 lines of computer code as a 14 year old kid and I converted that entire system to um, capture all these features and I named that system email. And by the way, this is a an article that appeared a couple years later with my teacher, uh, my math teacher, Dr. Michelson, pointing out what I had created. And then after this, um, I called, the reason I called it email was the, was the system only allowed five program, five characters, the operating system. You see, I called it E-M-A-I-L. It was not an obvious term because the operating system only allowed five characters. And this was the birth of email. Email is the electronic replica of the inner office mail system. I'm not saying I created electronic messaging, which goes back to Samuel Morse, the exchange of messages between computers or electronic devices. I'm talking about the entire system, okay? That's what a 14-year-old boy did in Newark, New Jersey. And after that, I also went and got the copyright because I went to MIT and the, prof and, and the president of MIT said, Shiva, it's too bad that the Supreme Court is not recognizing software patents. You should copyright it. So this was me, I didn't have uh, finances like Bill Gates or his family. And on August 30th, 1982, I was issued the first US copyright for email, recognizing me as the inventor of email. So let me, let me just summarize this. A 14 year old kid, me in Newark, New Jersey, with the collaboration of my loving parents, a mentor, Dr. Michelson, and a school teacher who supported me in that triangle was a birth of email. This is a truth. And I wrote all the code to capture all those features named it email, a term never used before in the, in, in the English language, and got the first US copyright, officially legally recognizing me as the inventor of email. So let me ask someone, is there any controversy here? There's, there's, it's not even a gray area, it's black and white. Wrote the code, called it email, have the first copyright. Now, so that's the truth, just like the sun goes around, I mean, the earth goes around the sun, and we can talk about other things, okay? Someone said, seems only the bad guys get credit, but this is why today's talk is know the truth, be the light, find your way. Because it's important that, you, that we understand the origin of email. Not so I get credit, which I should, not me, but the source of that origin, that's important. It's important, credit is important because it shows 
where does innovation really come from? In this case, it comes from local institutions, a loving family, a, a mentor, and some infrastructure and support. You don't need the military industrial complex. Now, after this occurred, I never got credit for it, meaning I never made money off of it because copyright law, because it very stupid legislators and the lawyers and lobbies in Congress in 1978, they didn't understand what software was. They thought it was written text. It was only until 1994 did the stupid legislators, the lawyers, lobbies catch up and they said software was a digital machine. If I had been able to patent it, I would be getting, I'd be a gazillionaire, far more wealthier than Bill Gates or anyone. But because the laws were backward, others could create all the ideas I did and um, copy it because copyright law only protects a literal code, okay? So getting back, so again, because it's about knowing the truth here, um, is this all occurred before I came to MIT. Now in 2011, my dear mom was dying of a horrible disease called pulmonary fibrosis. My mom was an amazing woman. She came from nothing, you know? She's the one who told me about that school opportunity at NYU. She's the one who initially uh, helped me get that job, but she was dying in, in November uh, of, of two th October of 2011 is when I found she was dying. She had about three days to die, uh, I mean three months to die, and in a suitcase, in a beautiful suitcase, and you could go see this on Instagram if you guys are watching, all of this beautiful material um, was saved in a wonderful suitcase, all the computer code, all the copyright, everything. Now, this is 2011, literally 33 years after the invention of email. And that's my mom. And the Huffington Post called it the anniversary of email. That was one of the first articles when I started getting publicity for this nationally. And then Doug Ameth, this gentleman right here, Doug Ameth, who's a writer, uh, Doug Ameth was the only reporter from Time Magazine who reviewed all the materials. And he wrote a wonderful article called The Man Who Invented Email in Time Magazine, okay? And when this appeared in Time Magazine, the Smithsonian contacted me and they wanted all my materials. So just to give you an idea, the Smithsonian is the number one museum in the world, the National Museum of American History. And on February 16, 2012, all of my artifacts in a great uh, honoring ceremony were accepted and received by the Smithsonian. Uh, my mom died on January 7th. This took place on February 16th. So all of these materials went into the Smithsonian and right after that, you see um, that the Washington Post wrote this wonderful article by Emmy Kalawale saying, V.A. Shiva, honored as the inventor of email. Okay, this was when it went into the Smithsonian. When this went in, it should have been a period for celebration. Think about it. I came from nothing, working class kid in New Jersey, worked my buns off. Not only did I create email, went through MIT, create, got many, many degrees, but this should have been an occasion for celebration of the American dream and all the other great innovators. By the way, a 14-year-old boy invented uh, TV. You can look that up. What happened? What actually happened was right this went in, it was like no different than Galileo being vilified. Vilified by the academic establishment who did, could, could not withstand the fact, it's almost like a new skull was found in Africa and that, because during those 33 years when I didn't promote myself, they had written a, the biggest lie. Like Hitler said, lie as much as you can, that, a, that text messaging was email. And a guy with a beard with glasses who look like a nerd. By the way, the theory is you have to look and smell like a nerd and then you're a nerd. You can't be a good looking guy who can do many things, an athlete and invent. So what happens right after this is you will see that disgusting organizations 
released this news saying, Aya Dure um, is described as an asshole and a loon. And I want everyone to look at this. Articles like this came out. What a fucking shameless cretin. He should be hanged by his curry-stained fingernails as he shouts, let me down. I want everyone to look at this. This was in 2012. This kind of absolute disgusting nonsense was written. Everyone should look at this. The thought of a 14-year-old kid inventing email in Newark, New Jersey bothers people. And it bothers those people no different than it bothers the same people today who did not like people like Donald Trump, if you don't like him, or people like me running for office, or people like you. They do not like innovations and ideas coming from bottoms up. It has to be from Bill Gates, by the way, who did not invent DOS. He stole it literally for pennies from someone else and he remarketed it. That's what he actually did. Or Mark Zuckerberg, but they could be Harvard dropouts, but surely one of us from Newark, New Jersey, when, when we invent something big, it cannot be done. And so this is a nonsense I went through, which very few people know about, this kind of stuff. And what you see is, they went to my Wikipedia page, and everyone needs to understand this, they created a controversial claim when there is no claim. So whenever there's truth, they call it a controversy. And a Wikipedia editor wrote me this, and you can see this here. He says, so people wanted to give me proper credit. And this is what they wrote. I seem to have stepped into a mess by accident. As an experienced Wikipedia editor, I had a look at the email article and was surprised that you hadn't received credit for your contributions. Since I've had a great deal of experience writing Wikipedia articles, I got right to work and added several suitable additions to provide credit to your contributions. Right away, right away, my edits were deleted without discussion, not edited improved them, but just flat out deleted. This is a kind of behavior an editor encounters when editing an article on the Second Amendment, abortion, or other extremely hot topics. The response to my edits has included personal attacks, calling me ignorant, reckless, and the like. Now, after this kind of stuff occurred, all the little demons came up. The academic historians who had written the lie about the origin of email during those 33 years, and they started vilifying me. And the vilification was to confuse people. They said text messaging is email when it isn't. They started applying the term email to stuff that was done before 1978 when the term didn't even exist because I was the one who created it to define it to be the electronic version of the inner office mail system. That's what took place. And who was behind this? Who was behind this when you unravel it? It was the academics. Organizations like this who apparently are academic historians. And these, these fools, frankly, these insidious fools had direct relationship to a company called Raytheon. So you have to understand in 2011 and 12, the entire defense industry was moving away from missiles into cybersecurity. Missile sales were coming down and the only way they were gonna make money was to spy on all of us. All the defense companies created a cybersecurity division. And as part of creating that cybersecurity division, um, many of these companies like Raytheon in 2009 had bought a company called BBNN and, and you see the clever marketing here. They had rebranded themselves as the inventors of email using this bearded guy who didn't invent anything except little pieces of text messaging. They'd rebranded it. What he did, just like we have in Twitter, the at sign. It's not email. I created the whole system. So this company unleashed their academic, which Raytheon's part of the deep state, unleashed their academic stalwarts to start 
attacking the truth of the origin of the history of email. No different than other origins. So what you see here is this is what occurs. Now what I did was we built the site called Inventor of Email. We started sharing the truth. And what we found out was this guy, David Crocker, who really should be called Crock of Shit, who was one of the quote unquote uh, pioneers of electronic messaging, who was attacking me, had forgotten that he had written this article in December of 1977. And what you see here is this. He had forgotten that he basically hated probably secretaries, probably thought they weren't smart enough like him because he was one of the guys who was essentially a scientist who could use computers. You have to understand in the 1970s and 60s, who used computers? They were typically men in lab coats, typically you know, old men who thought they were better than these secretaries. So li listen to what he wrote six months before I had actually begun the invention of email. This is what he wrote. He goes, at this time, no attempt is being made to emulate a full-scale interorganizational mail system. This is six months, which what he meant was no one was trying to create the electronic version of the inner office mail system. And this is even more interesting. The fact that the system is intended for use in various organizational contexts and by users of differing expertise. What does he mean, users of differing expertise? Makes it almost impossible to build a system to respond to all users' needs. These quote-unquote nerds thought it impossible to build a system that could handle all of these features and make it accessible for people with differing expertise, those secretaries. You see, they basically, as usual, think they're smarter, that people, working people are dumb and only they're smart. They didn't think this was possible, but I, as a 14-year-old kid, didn't you know, view the secretaries as less than me. In fact, I learned from them. They were my customers. And that's where the invention of email is. And the fact that the New York Times, after I started exposing Fauci, their one-line anonym is he made false claims to inventing email. That is what's disgusting. And so I'm sharing this with you because you need to know the truth and you need to be the light and find the way. Now, one of the important things is Noam Chomsky. Some of you may know him. He's one of the most uh, uh, celebrated scholars of the time. He came out on this and he said, email was invented in 1978 by a 14-year-old working in Newark, New Jersey. The facts are indisputable. And then they started attacking Noam, okay? So in the midst of this, furthermore, what you can see is the liberal, the liberal, the liberal aristocracy of like the Hillary Clintons, the Bill Gates and the Zuckerbergs, they're the ones who always think they're smarter than everyone. So in the midst of this in 2014, Walter Isaacson, who's known as a liberal writer, he writes this book. And I want you to see this book and the book is basically calling innovators of the digital revolution. Now remember, this issue is going on with the email. My stuff just went into the Smithsonian. What do you see here? What you see here is this is a book called The Innovators of the Digital Revolution by Isaacson. And what do you see here? Who are the people that he claims are the only innovators in the world? The only innovators in the world who created the digital revolution. What do you see here? Sergey Brin, okay? The guys who started Google. And a, a woman is also allowed, okay? So look, I am not here to talk about, you know, racism. I've never used race for my advancement like Elizabeth Warren did, but this is so egregious. It's all white people. There's no dark people here at all. And, and furthermore, uh, in my case, it's not only a race issue because the thought of a dark-skinned guy in Newark, also it's from Newark, right? A 14-year-old kid, who did it before MIT, it's like I have four strikes against me. It was done before MIT. 
I'm a 14-year-old kid. It's done in Newark, New Jersey, and I got this color, okay? Philo Farnsworth, by the way, who invented TV, he had two strikes against him. It wasn't done at MIT or Stanford when he invented TV, and it was done, you know, in a small farm, okay? So I have four strikes against me on this, and that's what you're looking at. And what you find out is, when you really start looking at this, that in this book, Walter Isaacson also talks about Vannevar Bush. Who is Vannevar Bush? Vannevar Bush is a guy who started MIT. He was a president of MIT, not started, president of MIT, who left MIT to start that defense company, Raytheon, okay? And so in this book, a liberal writer, Walter Isaacson attributes all great innovations to what he calls a military industrial academic complex. He calls it the golden triangle. You see, this is places like MIT and Harvard, et cetera, where it's big universities, big military, and big corporations, the deep state, essentially the triangle of the deep state. And what he's actually saying is that all great innovations must come from the deep state, you know, from CDC, who, including vaccines are our only innovation. So think about the importance of what I'm talking about here. They have basically said that all great innovations come from the deep state, from top down. So our source to our immune system, the way we solve coronavirus, must also come from the deep state. That it can only be vaccines. It surely can't be vitamin D and A and foods and herbs, which come from everyday people. And when you go back to the story about the invention of email, you know, I had been part of that triangle when I was at MIT. I won many awards when I was at MIT on the front page. But when I said email was done before that, that, that boy, that boy doesn't fit their narrative. I hope everyone's understanding what I'm saying. This is an issue that that picture of a dark-skinned Indian guy in Newark, New Jersey, an American kid at 14 years old inventing email before he comes to MIT is what this entire narrative is about because they want all of us to believe that all great innovations must come from their elite system. And this is why it's an inside job. So what I want to close with, and maybe we'll take some questions, is it's time that people know the truth, be the light, find your way. Which means you got to understand the truth. The invention of email is an important element of that truth. It's not just about me getting the credit I deserve. Not only me, but all those people help me. But it's about the fact that the deep state wants to take away our power. It wants to take away your power, your light, and wants to instill in you this concept, this slavery, that all great innovations must only come from them. That's why this coronavirus and their solution means it must only come from the deep state of pharma. Vitamin D, Jesus Christ, it's pennies. Vitamin A, eating good foods, it's pennies. It's what my grandmother taught me. It comes from outside. And that's what this issue is about. Just like they want to create a consensus or they want to muddle the so clear and obvious facts. It's black and white that I invented email. It's not even a gray area. They want to muddle the facts that a virus is one that's going to kill you. It's not. It's absolutely not true. The truth is that your body wants to be healthy. Your body, your system wants to be in homeostasis. The, the truth is that the way that we get to health, the way that we find our own light and then we get strong is by demanding two things, that we take care of our bodies. What do we put in ourselves? And demanding that these lawyer lie, that we stop 
voting for these lawyer lobbyist scumbags. That's what they are. They are the swamp. If you take that microscope and you look into the swamp and you go deeper and deeper and deeper, you know what you find? You find the connective tissue of that swamp is made up of lawyers and lobbyists and the Bill Gates and the, and the Hillary Clintons and the Obamas and who people who basically don't give a damn about you. They want to essentially have you outsource your freedom to them. So right now, whether it's understanding the truth about the invention of email, the truth about the immune system, the truth about how we liberate ourselves, it's going to come down to you. You need to start knowing the truth, which means you need to understand a systems approach. You need to start becoming the light where you start taking a lot of the you know, open objective knowledge and you share it with others so you, others can find their way. It is not going to come from that garbage. They own that battlefield. We can never win on their grounds. So that's what I'm hoping to share with you today, that we have a huge opportunity. Look, Easter's coming up. You know, so to me, it's a very, very special holiday. Uh, it's probably one of my, not holiday, but an observance, because Christ really, in many ways, was the light unto the world. He was bringing a message of truth, and he was vilified for that. So it is up to each one of us, as we approach Easter, to start recognizing that we are heading towards a darkness, which is Big Pharma wants to vaccinate you. Big Pharma wants to have you outsource your health to them. Just like they want you to outsource your health or your understanding of knowledge to academics who have monetary interests, you know, ego maniacal interests. So the invention of email is as important to understand its origin as, it, as it's important to understand the true nature of the immune system. So I'm going to take some questions, if we have any. Jen, you can text me anything that you want. Exactly. Take responsibility for your health. Let me see what we have on Instagram here. Uh, I am from Tamil Nadu. Did someone else want the link? It makes great sense to know about the immune system. Can the government force us to be vaccinated? Of course, the government can force us to be vaccinated if we allow that. And that's what we're in the middle of right now. And exactly, someone said no to Big Pharma. Big Pharma Deep State, in collusion with the World Health Organization, in collusion with the CDC, is cooking the books on this entire thing. They're creating fear, as I keep saying, over and over and over again. So it's time that people recognize that your body's immune system is tuned to support you. You know, one of the things people may know, I'm running for United States Senate. Um, if you go to shivaforsenate.com, let me see if I can bring it up. If anyone wants to go to shivaforsenate.com, my goal is to really educate people as much as I can to understand how systems work. Because once you understand how systems work, systems of power work, systems of how your body works, what an email system you, uh, uh, what, a, what an email system is, you can start recognizing um, essentially how to take not only to take care of your own body, but you can actually start recognizing how to take care of many things. I'm going to start bringing up this. Um, let me start bringing up this uh, very nice thing here. There we go. So if you go to shivaforsenate.com, first of all, if you go to that site, there's a letter, if you click here, that I've, uh, I've sent to the President of the United States, which really lays out what I believe we need to do for immune health and economic health. It includes a combination of vitamin D, as well as vitamin A and vitamin C. It's a protocol, so we can put most of our people back to work. But separate from that, you know, uh, I, you know, we are running a very powerful campaign here in Massachusetts. People are coming all over the uh, 
country to help us. But And those of you, by the way, who are out of the country and you want to help our campaign, you can go to your body, your, not our campaign, but you want to get access to knowledge, you can go to your body, your system. Um, so here what you see is if you donate 25 or more, you can get this book, Shiva for Sen um, uh, Systems and Revolution, to learn how your body is a system. And you actually get access to a piece of software I created that'll teach you the intricacies of your body as a system. You'll learn to ask yourself some important questions to understand what kind of system you are. You know, so, and these questions would figure out this red dot is what is your particular body type? Then you can understand where you are today, how you've disturbed your body by perhaps not eating the right foods, overworking, etc. And then you can see it'll actually teach you how foods and exercises can bring your body back to you. Okay? So that's uh, what I wanted to share there. Let me go back here so you can follow this. And let me come back to my video here. All right, Jen's got some questions. Go ahead, Jen. Has anyone heard of Hysop tea? My kids were sick, high dose vitamin C, black seed, or turmeric, and cod liver. Look, uh, there have been, Fauci's a weasel, exactly. Look, there have been so much, everything I'm talking about is so well researched, okay? The vitamin D. Vitamin D is like a musket, which is a gun, and when vitamin D is processed by your body, it creates bullets known as cathelicidins, which actually pop holes and disrupt the membrane of viruses, bacteria, etc. So th these things are very, very well researched. So it's amazing that medical doctors are not promoting this. They always want to find a complex solution, you know, a solution that always comes from the deep state, not from everyday people. What's a good source of D? Good question. The good source of D, what was the website again? Shiva, S-H-I-V-A 4, Senate.com. Or you can go to your body, your system, your body, your system. Um, People have just asked, how can you help collect signatures? Well, you can do two things. Let me walk you through this. If you go to the following URL, let me go back to this. Uh, we need, by the way, we need, in order to get on the ballot, we need close to 10,000 signatures, okay, to get on the ballot. So what that means is we need um, 10,000 signatures to get on the ballot for U.S. Senate. And if you go to this website, shivaforsenate.com, and you put in S-I-G-S, if you see that, shivaforsenate.com, SIGS, S-I-G-S, if you can see that, that'll take you to a website here where there's a very nice video and you can actually help us collect signatures, okay? There's a video with Michelle here, she'll teach you how to collect. You get the nomination forms, you can download those. These are the equipments you'll need, a nomination form, a clipboard and a pen. If you're in Massachusetts, you can come to our office, you can get the equipment, then you can get training and you can just go, okay? We need to get, you know, 20,000 signatures to get on the ballot. If you are in Massachusetts or you know friends in Massachusetts, they can also just fill out a form and submit it to us. And in order to do that, go to here to volunteer, right here, and you can click on this thing called get a signature. This is where if you are in Massachusetts or you know friends in Massachusetts, you can simply go here and there's three easy steps. There's a video again here how to do it but you can print this nomination form in your own home, print it on legal paper. Then you get a couple of envelopes and you can fill it, fill out the form. It show you how to fill it out. You put your name here and your street address. You put it on a stamp and you address it to the town hall and all the town halls are listed here. So bottom line, there are multiple ways you can help us get signatures. Either you can sign up right now. Anyone listening right now 
If you wanna help me get signatures and you're in Massachusetts, I'm gonna give you my cell phone number. Call me at 617-631-6874. Tell me, or if you have friends and you're outside of the state, outside of the country, tell your friends, we need to get Dr. Shiva on the ballot. Right now, the Republican establishment and the Democrat establishment are so afraid of us that they're gonna to try to keep me off the ballot. So we need to collect signatures and get on the ballot. We have about you know, 10 days to do this. So anyone listening out there, tell your friends, to, or if you're, if you're outside of Mass, if you're in, call me and we'll get you set up on how you can collect signatures. Anything else, Jen? Can we donate on the site? Yes, you can. You can go to Shiva for Senate and you can donate right there. Yes, as Guardian says, going to tell all my friends in Massachusetts. Great. Yeah, so best source of vitamin D is sunlight. 15 minutes a day is amazing. If you can't do that, take vitamin D3. You know, my recommendation is five to, you know, what I take is five to 10,000 IUs per day. It's a good maintenance. If you're under stress, the letter I go, wrote to the president gives you some higher levels you can take. Do you think Bill Gates will get arrested soon? Well, I hope so. Uh, Bill Gates, Fauci, all of these people are criminals. Um, I want the book. You can also go to Shiva for Senate. And if you donate 25 or more to the campaign, you get an electronic version of the book. If you want it from my own personal site, you can go to vashiva.com, V-A-S-H-I-V-A.com. Are you coming to California soon? <laughs> um, well, I'd love to. The problem is that we can't even travel. God knows what'll happen. Butterfly Lookup, the 13 families. Jen, any other big questions? But look, in closing, let me just reiterate this. You have to start recognizing that we live in a very important time, that there's immense darkness, but there's also immense hope, where if you start going into yourselves, using your own God-given talents, connecting the dots, that you can actually discover the truth, you can know the truth, and then you can become, uh, you can be the light, and then find your way and help others find their way. And what I'm trying to just be a humble catalyst here to support you by giving you an approach to looking at all of this through a systems approach. It's where you start building your own intuition to connect the dots. You know, the your body, your system, you really don't even need that software program if you're in connection, if you're in touch with your own intuition. That tool is a way for you to remember, oh my God, my body likes to be at this point and become aware that when I do these things, I hurt my own body. So it's ultimately coming into touch with the light that is within you. And then if we all do that, Nothing can really hurt us. But we're living at a very important time in human history right now that you do have a set of evil people. You do have a set of insidious people. There is something like the deep state which wants to control profit and power, power, profit, and control versus truth, freedom, and health. That's why our entire campaign, if you go look at it, you know the, the, the slogan of our campaign, and I'll end with this, is really... Um, you know, truth, freedom, and health. Truth, freedom, and health. Truth, freedom, and health. And we need to create a revolution in this country, but it begins by everyone here knowing the truth, being the light, and finding your way. All right, someone's saying zinc. Zinc is very good. You know, there's so many things that uh, great God has given us that are good for us. So many, so many things. But um, we can start with, you know, the fundamentals that are really good. Sun, okay, sunlight, vitamin D3. The very rich, deep green vegetables and fruits, which is vitamin A. And then the vitamin C, the citrus fruits. Let's start with that because if you have that and your thyroid is working well, you get the iodine and the iodide, 
your body will start functioning. I mean, there's many, many other things you can layer on, but the things you want to stay away from are the devils of the very, very horrible white sugar, which is what the pharmaceutical industry wants you on. But we start moving away from that and we start going back to fundamentals and basics and we reconnect with who we are. All right, truth, freedom, and health. Thank you very much. Oh, someone said, I grew up in Rockaway, New Jersey. Unbelievable. I never heard of what you did right in Livingston. Keep up the good work. Yep. Thank you. I actually knew Mr. Roth in Rockaway, New Jersey. One of my best. Brian Peskin, MIT parent, Omega-6. Very good. What kind of iodine do you recommend? The brand that I put out there was Lugol's, L-U-G-O-L-S, because it has the iodine and the iodide. Both will support the thyroid function. Vitamin C. Yep. All of these things. I mean, everyone's getting it. But share it with your neighbors. We need to become the light and support others because I'll tell you, it's surely not going to be Fauci and it's surely not going to be Bill Gates and it's surely not going to be the decrepit Clintons or the Obamas. These people are the deep state and we need to have a revolution take place in this country. But it begins with all of us recognizing what the immune system is and also recognizing where the invention of email took place. It didn't occur by the deep state. It, it took place by one of you. And, 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 and we need to recognize that all great innovations can occur anytime, anyplace by anybody. Innovating and being a creative human being is in all of us. And that's what we need to understand because those people who try to deny that and say only a few people can create are truly the devils because the ultimate of being a human being is to be a creative human being. Every, within every one of us is a spark of God, is a spark of light for us to create. And that's what we need to get in touch with. And these people want to take that away from us. They want us to deny our own humanity. So we start outsourcing our decision making to them and we forget our own common sense. Anyway, thank you everyone. Be well and um, look forward to seeing you soon. I'll probably be doing another live later on tonight. Thank you. Jen, if you need to go, it's okay. <laughs> You've been... Okay. Yeah, I'm just saying, okay, this looks like it's coming through. Let me see if this is done. Then I'll just put you on... Um, So how many viewers do you have? You have how'd you build that pro podcast so well, Ari? Just been over the t over time. Yeah, well, I've been doing it for seven years. I have uh, an email list of uh, close to two hundred thousand people, and um, I have a big network of people who are doctors and other healthcare workers and online people with online right. businesses in, in the health yeah. niche. We should talk. We should also probably talk about this whole thing we built called Systems Health. You know, it's a whole new yep. way to look at. Um, the body as a system. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll start off with systems biology. You can feel free to, to you know, doctors and as, as you'd like. Okay. All right. I think we're ready. Uh, this is ready. So Jen, I'm going to start Instagram again, right? Okay. Oh, I'll hang up though? Yes. Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva. All right, are you ready? Yep. 
do you have a hard cutoff at at one just or at twelve fifty or something like that? Just so I we think, can, I can yeah, I that. think I think I have a cutoff at four, so we should end at like okay, okay. like if, five minutes before that. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, perfect. So one second, let me uh, let me just tell people that we're gonna come live on this, and then I have to go here. What was the name of your thing again? Blueprint? Um, the, the, energy, the Energy Blueprint podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Adura. I'm doing a live with Ari Witten from Energy Blueprint. It's my first time doing uh, something with somebody else, but Ari's online. And if you want to go see this, it'll be up on um, uh, YouTube. Uh, it'll be on IGTV following this. And Ari, your podcast is Energy Blueprint, right? Yeah, The Energy Blueprint. The Energy Blueprint. And people, you guys can also see it out there. And um, so I think we're we're good. Go ahead, Ari. I think we're all set. Wonderful. So I'm going to give you a brief intro here okay. uh, for everybody listening in. Dr. Shiva Ayadure holds four degrees from MIT. He's a Fulbright scholar and has started seven successful high-tech companies, including EchoMail, Cytosolve, and Systems Health. He's currently the founder and CEO of Cytosolve, Inc., which is discovering cures for major diseases from pancreatic cancer to Alzheimer's. He's also the founder of the Center for Integrative Systems that is the home of Innovation Core and Clean slash Raw certifications. And he's also notably running for US Senate right now. So welcome to the show, Dr. Ayadure. Such a pleasure to have you. Welcome everyone. I just wanted to let everyone see uh, what Ari was doing. But go ahead, Ari, let's start. We have about 45 minutes, yep. So first of all, tell me about your background in systems biology and how this relates to immune health. And and then I want to talk about how all of that fits into the current picture of this coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, so let's talk about that. I just want to make sure I can give you the speaker view. So I have you great. Um, Yeah, so I think one of the important things to understand here is that I've had a deep, deep interest in systems since I was a kid. Um, because I think I've mentioned this, I grew up in a, a world uh, where um, you know the way that people looked at, at the body was as a system. This was traditional systems of medicine. And I also grew up in a world where um, uh, you had to figure out how to interact with the nature around you, right? So in traditional systems of medicine, uh, in India it was called Siddha or Arveda. And so I was exposed to that as a kid, but it was basically a systems approach to the body in retrospect, right? You didn't see the body as a bunch of parts. Uh, You saw it as an interconnected system of system of systems. And in order to take it that way, the ancient traditions developed their own language, okay? So So they developed like a meta language, fire, earth, metal, water, or vata, pitta, kapha, uh, you know, prakriti. I mean, I'm throwing out these words, just to let you know that these words may seem very weird to a Westerner. And when my grandmother used them, you know, you sort of understood them intuitively. So that was one life I lived. And when I came to the United States, I was very, as a kid, I was very deeply interested in medicine. You know, and by the time I went in and out of MIT, did many degrees by, uh, in 2003, uh, a new field emerged in Western medicine called systems biology. Because what had happened was Western science was recognizing that a very reductionist approach where you take a complex thing and you look at just the parts was not working. 
So, so I've had this interesting opportunity to understand a systems approach from the Eastern side as well as the Western side. But the idea is to really recognize that we need to interconnect things at all different layers from the molecular layer, the cellular layer, the tissue layer to building the whole understanding. So that's a bottoms up approach that Western science is trying to take place. The Indian systems of medicine actually had a meta level understanding, you know, a top down approach. And so from a research standpoint, the systems health sort of university and science that I built um, is the top down piece. Cytosolve is my other technologies of bottoms down. So I have this unique fortune where I can help look at both sides and interconnect them. Beautiful. We're, we're discovering more and more in Western science things like the gut-brain axis, the gut-skin axis, the gut-mitochondria axis, the gut-lung axis, the, you know, how nutrition interacts with our mitochondria, for example, how circadian rhythm interacts with our, our brain health and our mitochondrial health and our gut health. Um, and we're discovering all these interconnections and the science is emerging, and yet the traditional medical model, conventional medical model is still very much siloed and all of these different specialties are separate and there are very few people out there who are connecting the dots in terms of systems biology. And I, I think this is especially important in terms of the, the coronavirus outbreak when it comes to immune health. So talk to me about your vision of immune health and how it differs from the conventional medical models view of immune health. Yeah, so I think one of the important things to understand is, first of all, if you start looking at the body as a system, the next thing you need to understand is what is the language that you start using? What, how do you even start understanding the body as a system? That's probably one of the most important things. And well, that leads you, do you take a organ systems approach, right? Western um, traditional scientific approach has been the Western medicine of looking at the body where you take the body and you break it up into a bunch of parts. Right, so you, so you have people who are cardiologists who just study the heart, um, and that's a specialty, or you just study the lungs, right, a pulmonologist, or you just study the kidneys, and so on. And that is an organ-based model of studying medicine. Um, more recently, a, a thing called functional medicine has come. The problem is functional medicine in some ways is a not-so-obvious establishment in my view. It's basically the same old thing, and they're attempting to do a little bit of systems approach but their foundation is not a systems approach so the way we really get to the the real understanding of this um, is a very different approach and that really led me to build this whole new methodology called systems health where you start looking at the body as an engineering system and you need to build a language which you can actually borrow from an engineering systems theory so that's what i created and what systems health allows you to do is to stop saying, okay, I need to go to medical school to understand how the body works. You know, a lot of my friends who are car mechanics who uh, started learning the body, they actually look at the body in a very different way, not organ systems. So the engineering systems approach, if you go to general systems theory, teaches you a very different way of looking at the body. So forget organs, forget tissues, forget cells. And I could, by the way, I can talk in that language. Imagine that the body is made up of three phenomenon, the transport of energy, or transport of information or the transport of matter, but the key thing being transport. The second thing, imagine the body's made up of conversion of information, matter, or energy. And the third thing is imagine the process of storage or providing the structural elements of information, matter, and energy, okay? 
So I'm, ta- I'm not even talking organs or cells or molecules or molecular pathways. I'm talking about transport, conversion, and storage. And what uh, makes you different than me is that your body has a certain processing capability of transport of information, matter, and energy, conversion, and storage, okay, than mine. Um, so considered in a very simple example, let's look at something like a Ferrari. A Ferrari moves very fast, right? An SUV moves a lot slower, right? Two different types of ways that they transport. Um, conversion, the, uh, the, the Ferrari probably has a much higher revving engine, right? The, the SUV has a different kind of engine, which is really for long hauling. Storage, you can't store a lot of stuff in a Ferrari, right? But you can store a lot in an SUV. You see what I'm saying? Now take a difference between a laptop and a huge mainframe computer, same thing. The transport of information, you know, from the keyboard, what goes on the screen, that's the input I.O. That's the input I.O. operation. The, uh, the conversion is a CPU and the storage is a physical hard disks. So a big, massive mainframe may have a lot more hard disk capability than your small laptop. Okay. So in that case, a laptop is a Ferrari and your big mainframe is a very different, like the SUV. You follow what I'm saying? If different between an F-15 fighter jet, which is created to go very fast, go in, you know, precision in and out and get out of a situation versus very different than like a C-30 cargo plane. The reason I'm sharing this is that engineering man-made systems have this concept of different levels of transport, conversion and storage. Well, in traditional systems of Indian medicine, for example, though they didn't know it, the problem with a lot of the Ayurveda and Siddha and these medicines or even Chinese medicine is, the Westerner looks at it or the medical doctor and they say, oh, this is a bunch of bullshit. You know, these people are just practicing some witchcraft. What is this vata, pitta, kapha, fire, ed, or they don't understand it. Well, one of the big things that happened for me after I finished my PhD and went to Indiana Fulbright was I was actually made a huge breakthrough in recognizing that those systems of medicine were not medical systems. They're actually engineering systems. And what they call transport, conversion, and storage they used a different word, vata, pitta, kapha. For example, in Ayurveda, or you can look at aspects of in the Chinese medical system when they had fire, water, earth, metal, the earth and the water are like the storage element. Think about you need earth and water to create cement structure. The fire element is, uh, or the uh, conversion element is a fire element. And if you look at the wood element and the water element, they're really aspects of the, the you know flow of water, right? They're really the aspects of the um, the transport element. So anyway, that was a big breakthrough because what it does it, it because in those systems of medicine, every food that you took or every input you took had a property of transport, conversion, and storage. They didn't say it this way. This was sort of the I think the big contribution I've made is to start looking at this from an engineering system standpoint. So what emerges out of this is I can teach anyone, you know to understand the body as an engineering system using this approach. And let the medical guys do their own thing, right? But I'm saying we need to build a different way to look at the body. And everything I'm saying here comes from, every engineer would understand this, right? The problem is the medical model that we have today was not created to actually take care of the body and maintain it long-term. It came from wartime medicine. The modern system of medicine was to put a soldier back on the field after he's hurt, or he's, you know, whatever, mangled up, you know, is to give him antibiotics, steroids, and, um, you know, surgery. Now, these are very valuable things 
in the unfortunate event something horrible happens to someone today. But they have nothing to do with maintaining the body. So, you know, when my grandmother looked at your face, she could identify what was appropriate for you, right? What was the right thing for you to do versus what was right for me? And that determined what the, your particular system state. And then you could look at the disturbance from that state. And the idea was simple. Who is Ari? Who is Shiva? That's you. Ferrari, are you an F-15 pilot, right? And then based on that, if you're deviating from that, the issue is what are the things I can give you to get you back to you? Now, the theory is if you take care of your body and you bring it into homeostasis, your body takes care of itself, right? It's very much like if you keep your car well-maintained, it takes care of itself in many ways, but you have to make sure you're giving the fuel, you're cleaning it, etc. So when you look at the immune system, the immune system itself, in my view, is in fundamentally the whole operating system of the body. Because if you take care of the immune system, you fundamentally take care of your whole body. Because it is sort of, it goes back billions of years, right? If you don't believe in evolution, well, it goes back to the beginning of natural design. It is a thing that cre is created to protect your whole existence. So if you're not getting enough sunshine and you're eating horribly, well, you're going to create a disturbance in that and you need to bring it back into alignment, okay? Now that disturbance for you may be different for me. Some people can take a lot, right? They can treat their body like crap, and you say, Jesus, guy, that guy drinks and he smokes and he's, and you see, right, and they're fine. And other people can't, so this is why medicine has to be personalized. Each one of us is a little bit different than another person. So the immune system has that same sort of variation. But I can tell you this, from a system standpoint, the immune system was designed to be used, to be stressed, just like your body. So you were supposed to get pathogens. In the normal case, the body gets stronger and stronger and it, and, you know, it builds its own immunity. If you are immunocompromised, which means your body is sort of off kilter originally, um, then you're gonna basically, your own body starts attacking itself. It has an overreaction. And this is what we call a, a, a cytokine storm or a weakened and dysfunctional immune system. So in this entire discourse, what's really, really fraudulent in my ways with Fauci and all these people surrounding Trump, frankly, they don't even talk about this. None of them, not one of them has said, let's give frontline medical care workers, if they so care about them, vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin C, right? None of them has said, hey, let's take all the critical people whether it's coronavirus or not, let's give them IV drips of 100 grams of vitamin C. And by the way, anything I'm saying has been done for hundreds of years. You know, there's Actually, well there are, there are all kinds of media reports coming out basically trying to bash and frame as inaccurate anybody claiming that vitamins have any relevance to helping people survive coronavirus or boost their immune system. You know, all these media reports saying, oh, it's impossible to boost your immune system. Vitamins won't help you. Mm -hmm. uh, all, all kinds of things like that. What, what, what's your take on what's going on with the with seeming media efforts to discredit any role of supplements or vitamins well, to improve health? Look, we got to get to a point in the world now where we say to hell with all the big pharma, okay? The big pharma deep state is evil, okay? they need to be completely destroyed and annihilated. And you know, sometimes you have to destroy before you can create. And I think that's where we're at right now. You know, my name, you know, everyone says Shiva. Shiva has a property of destruction and creation. One of my uh, mentors, Frank Zane, 
who was the only guy who beat you know Arnold Schwarzenegger, Frank used to say you have to do destruction before you can create. Sometimes you have to break down your body before you can start building. And that's where we're at. We have created such a corrupt freaking world and we have outsourced our dignity and our responsibility for our health to people like the CDC, to people like, unfortunately, look, MDs are very nice people, but their education is a, they're victims of a, a big pharma-based education. Um, I have cousins in, you know, when I grew up in India who are MDs, they're frankly some of the dumbest people I've ever met. Not to say they're bad people, but they, I would never want any of these people to ever touch my body or look at me, okay? These people are the, the worst in the class. Um, you don't have to be that intelligent to be a doctor. However, when they come out of it with their little white coats and their little ties, they're egomaniacs, okay? And we have to stop recognizing that these people came out of a medical model. Now, I'm not, I, I, I frankly believe the surgeons and the anesthesiologists are very different. They actually have to live in the nuts and bolts because they have to solve problems in real time. Not to say there aren't good MDs, but most of them are basically um, if-then-else statements. If this, then this. If this, then this. Else this. And that's the way they learn medicine, but they're taught to be egomaniacs. And the entire medical model uh, of Big Pharma is designed that they don't want a simple solution. What about sunlight? Well, that's too simple, right? What about green leafy vegetables? Oh, that's too simple. What about vitamin A, D, and C? So we have to recognize they want complexity, just like academia wants complexity, because that's how these freaking guys survive. They're like the boogeyman. They're like the voodoo doctors, okay? They make problems which do not exist to uh, define their own existence. You know, I, when I put that protocol out there, you know, I took time, it's a three-page letter to Trump. It basically says, let's practice personalized medicine. You have to balance immune health and economic health. Let's get all the healthy people, give them DNA, and get them back to work. There's nothing here saying that the, we have 380 trillion viruses inside ourselves. Anthony Fauci should be indicted, in my view. The guy is a complete scumbag. He made his entire life creating the causality, false causality of HIV causes AIDS. It's total nonsense. And he created a whole career on this. HIV does not cause AIDS. There's, you know, millions of people with HIV. They're not dying. 70% of Zambia, I believe, has HIV. So this notion that a virus comes in and the, ask the average MD, how does a virus and a vaccine work? They go, oh, it's like the big, some alligator that goes, enters you and starts eating away at your endothelial tissue. And that's why you start bleeding. From Ebola, it's not true. What happens is the viruses are constantly coming in and out of our body every instant, every millisecond. Our body knows how to process it or we wouldn't exist. What is the problem is a dysfunctional weakened immune system caused by poor choices and a infrastructure where we have dirty air, dirty water, dirty food. And the lawyer lobbyists, politicians and the deep state of big pharma has no intention of fixing that. So that's what this is about. And people better wake the F up because what we're seeing, we're at a very interesting point in human history because we could go into a golden age or a deep, deep, dark age. And that's what 2020 is about. And we're, right, we're watching it play out right now. What do you think is, what's your overall take on the, the seriousness of this virus? There's everything from people who are saying this, this may not be more severe than than a, than a seasonal flu or a severe seasonal flu to you know i have friends on the other end of the spectrum and i have friends on both end of the spectrum here but the other end of the spectrum are people who are like we're all gonna die this is this is killing you know this is gonna kill millions of people the only sensible thing that we can do is lock ourselves indoors for as long as it takes to basically 
for them to develop a vaccine that's going to, to save us all. And anybody who suggests otherwise is irresponsible and is endangering people's lives. What's what's your take on that? Well, let them stay all day inside. Let them stay all day inside if that's what they think. And if they if they don't know if there's if they're so ignorant about how the immune system works, let them be complete idiots because that's what we're looking at. This is no different than you know people in some village um, thinking there's a boogeyman and letting people control them. You, we are we are looking at a world now where we've created a bunch of frankly vulnerable educated elites. You know, I was taking you know we live in Massachusetts, Cambridge, which is supposed to be the most intelligent people. Uh, the governor of Massachusetts says, go out for a walk. Literally, like drones, people go out for a walk. And you're walking along with them with their dogs, and they're looking at you very strange. It's like you're in some movie. These people have become drones. They do not have a mind because they have been, uh, their brains have been, they've capitulated their own brains, and they've outsourced it to others. And, that, and it's the educational system, and it's frankly, many of these liberal elites are the racists. Let me explain what I mean by that. They have a, you know, traditional systems of medicine from indigenous cultures, black and white and brown. I'm not drawing issue here. I'm talking about a, a concept that traditional cultures always sought uh, solutions which integrated the human being's economic needs and their immune health, okay? And, and they used, you know, things in our own environment to do that. So it's a real disdain for uh, traditional cultures and indigenous people who survived through a lot of this. So that's what I see taking place. It's basically a crime to think that only a finite set of people. Bill Gates, think about this guy. He has basically become, he thinks he's the emperor. Who is this guy? He, he comes from a lineage of people who basically exploited others, you know, including himself, who exploited a lot of people. He thinks he's a missionary to all the dark people on, in the world, right? He's gonna bring GMOs to Africa. He's gonna bring big pharma everywhere. He's a big ag, big pharma guy, and he's, uh, I think he's sick, frankly. And so you're looking at a environment now where we have a set of people who think they know better than everyone. And in, many, in my opinion, it's a web, and I think all of this will come out but the issue is we should all get it out sooner. It's the Gates Foundation. It's a it's a global, you know, Clinton Global Initiative. You know, it's Fauci. It's a CDC, WHO, and China. These entities have made an unholy alliance against working people throughout the world who are starting to dissent before this. If you think about it, in Wuhan province, there was massive protests, which no one wants to talk about, anti-pollution protests. Hong Kong was blowing up, right? You had two populist Pres uh, leaders who came, Modi in India, Trump here. You had uh, Venezuela, massive protests. You had all those protests in France. All of them are gone now, gone, done. So this is, if people think this was not organized, you know, it's all right before you. And the fundamental goal here is a deep state big pharma. Next year this time, their goal is, hey, I wanna get my license. Oh, really? You need to get your vaccines. Hey, I want to go into a gym. Where are your vaccines? Hey, I want to go play with my kids at this day center, daycare center. Nope, you need your... So that's where this is going to. It's a big, big pharma deep state model. And it is entire intended to make tons, trillions of dollars. That's what we're looking at. Not billions, trillions. And they would crash the US economy, forcing us to print $6 trillion. 
So they every year can get a recurring revenue of $7 trillion because imagine 7.2 billion people now having to pay, let's say per capita about a thousand bucks for pharma's vaccines because the pharmaceutical companies are losing money, they're failing. Their entire model of drugs is not working. People are starting to eat healthier, people are waking up. So their only conclusion is, Jesus, we're gonna have to force vaccinate everyone and we're gonna have to make immunization the, the, the goal. And people need to get it through their heads that the pharma companies are phenomenal marketers, just the ultimate of marketing. And what we're witnessing right here is literally a performance art piece of, its, of the highest order taking place. So there, there are people who will immediately be uncomfortable by everything you just said and will say this is, this is conspiracy theory, this is, you know, this, this guy's wacko, he's saying this is all planned, this is all, you know, some big pharma plot, this is all nonsense. Um, because, you know, this is a real illness, this is killing people, and I know so-and-so who's affected, and I'm a, I'm a doctor on the front lines who's treating sick people. This is real. It can't just be some conspiracy plot. What, what, what would you say in response to people thinking that way? Well, look, let's, okay, let's go to the math, okay? Math never lies. Physics never lies. We live in a world right now where a bunch of parents are being told by the educational department that the answer doesn't matter anymore. Math doesn't matter. Let's look at the math. Okay, in the worst pandemic, uh, Ari, right? And I want to leave the Spanish flu out of it because that was done during a war, okay? 50% got it. There were many other factors. We didn't have sanitation, uh, uh, nutrition, vitamin A. So, so, but if you look at the six major pandemics, what was, it, what was the total infection rate among a population? About 15%, okay? What was the death rate? Well, the death rate was around 0.3% among those that got infected. Let's even say that this gets doubled. Let's double it. And let's assuming doubling would be what? Okay, 30% of the United States, 90 million people or 90, whatever, uh, 99 million people get it. Let's keep it 90. And let's say we double the infection rate to 0.3 to 0.6%. By the way, there's no population where 100% people have ever gotten anything, okay? But let's assume 0.6%. Well, you get to 540,000 people who die, okay? And let's put that in context. You, now you have 540,000 people um, who are dying from this event. Well, how many people die from heart disease? About 600, 700,000 people, okay? How many people die from cancer today? Well, about 500,000 people. How many people are dying from medical errors every day, which is the number third cause of death is 440,000 people. How many people are dying from prescription drugs killing you? That's about 200,000 people. In fact, if you add up the 200,000 prescription drugs and the medical errors, that's six, you're more than people dying from heart disease. I haven't seen a state of emergency, which frankly should be called for that. I haven't seen a shut down our economy for that. I haven't seen the economy being shut down by all these MDs who so care for, or the public health, for the massive increase in obesity rates, or the fact that 54% of kids have autoimmune disorders. I don't see a public emergency being called for this at all, but yet, we call a public emergency. How many people have died now in the U.S.? What are the actual numbers, Ari? Do you know what they are? I think a few thousand. A few thousand. So now you project to 100,000 dying, right? Because Fauci, fear-based pharma Fauci, who bases his entire existence on fake science, needs big numbers. He needs big numbers. I have friends who are working at different hospitals, small ones. There's no one there. So it almost seems like they're moving this to the big hospitals to get nice video shots. That's what it looks like to me, okay? And then, and so these doctors, let's 
I would compel all of these doctors, let's get on a call with all of them. Let's do an actual thing where we can talk about the immune system and I want to ask them why they haven't prescribed vitamin D. Why? Do, and you'll find out because they know nothing about, uh, they, don't, they probably never even heard the word cathelicidins. They don't even know that cathelicidins are created when you consume vitamin D and they are used to disrupt the cell membrane. That's not taught in medical school. They don't so learn the interferon uh, system in medical school. So doctors are the last people we should ask about the immune system. You can ask your doctor something when you are in a crisis situation and maybe, you know, someone, you know, hits your head in some way, okay? Or you get in an accident. Go to a doctor then because he knows where to, if this, then this, if this, then this. But they frankly do not understand how the body is a system. They're unqualified. And we, it's time in this country we realize, hey, look, Western medicine is good in crisis care. Great. But it knows jack about taking care of the body. The fact that Fauci has not talked about vitamin D, he's not talked about vitamin A, vitamin C, either he doesn't care about the human body, knows nothing about it, or this is not a conspiracy. He, I think he's on the Leadership Council of the Gates Foundation. CDC, go look at their directorate. They're revolving between pharma. Go look at the fact that 1.9 million people get adverse reactions and require hospitalization from prescription drugs. I don't see an emergency being called for this. What we're witnessing before our eyes is one of the greatest hoaxes in terms of the fear-mongering that's being done. I'm not saying coronavirus is a hoax. I'm not saying the influenza is a hoax, but the fear-mongering, the quarantining of healthy people to crash an economy, who does it actually serve? And what do we get out of that? So just project yourself one year from now. Flu season comes. What do you think is going to happen? Your neighbor is going to come supporting Gestapo police coming into your home saying, Ari, you better get vaccinated. In fact, Denmark just passed a law. It just passed a law that they have the right to come into your home with police and vaccinate you. What are we now? Where, where, what you're talking about is the end of freedom as we know it. Now, a lot of people genuinely believe vaccines are perfectly safe and effective. They think that it is actually a good solution to have, you know, the, the, the Bill Gates model of let's vaccinate the whole world. Let's I, I think he's even suggesting things like we should not let people travel unless they show that they're you know up to date on their vaccines and, and things of that nature, or at least they can show that they've been immunized for the coronavirus. What, what's wrong with that vision? Why, why not force vaccinations on the entire world? Okay, let's talk about that. It's a good question. So what is a vaccine? What is a vaccine? I'm asking you, what is a vaccine, Ari? It's usually some kind of attenuated form or particles of uh, a virus or a bacteria that they inject into your system. Usually, but, with but, but what's the purpose of a vaccine? What's the goal? To provoke an immune reaction to that to that substance right. and training the body's immune system to recognize that and, and already have the ability to fight it off. Right. So the purpose of a vaccine, now let me ask you, if I sneeze on you and I have measles, why don't I just sneeze on you? What's wrong with that? I, What's the I difference? I guess they want, they, they want to give you a, like an attenuated form of that of that yeah. virus that's less capable of causing a, a, a real infection. Okay. So what is the dif difference between, let's say I, get, I sneeze on you and I have chickenpox and you getting the chickenpox vaccine? What's the difference? 
What happens 10 years from when I sneezed on you in case one and you got chicken pox and we both went through chicken pox versus you getting the chicken pox vaccine? What happens 10 years down the road? What's the difference? Ten, if assuming the vaccine is effective, then 10 years down the road, we're, we're immune in either case. It's, I guess it's just a question of how many people got the, you know, the severe symptoms and, and suffered or mm-hmm. maybe how many people died as a result of getting the actual infection. Right. So what you find is that the vac. So when you look at the, the former model, which, by the way, in traditional cultures, people practice for centuries. All right. So in villages, in societies, when uh, when people when one child got chicken pox, they brought the other child. Right. And now why did they do this? Or if a horse got some disease, they would put a, a, a something over the horse's head, it would sneeze and they would give it to all the other horses, okay? That was their model of inoculation. Um, Washington did this to help the troops for smallpox. It wasn't an injectable vaccine. They literally, it was called variolation, a small, slight abrasion incision, and they took the whole smallpox vaccine and they gave. So the notion of giving people a disease has been used throughout human history. And it was done for economic reasons. So what I mean by that is if you had 100 farmers in a village, right, and they all had to go plow the fields and they all had 100 horses, let's say, and, they, and you needed all 100 horses to give capacity, which was the economic sustainability of that country, of that village, right? You didn't simply let one horse at a time get it. You inoculated them because you wanted your business to continue. You follow what I'm saying with this? So this notion of exposure, strengthening the immune system, to have society move forward has always been around long before vaccines okay the vaccine model now along with that process people had another thing called infrastructure okay you you made sure the roads were clean you made sure your water pipes were clean you had sanitation so let's go back to the fundamentals here in 1900s what was the number of, in, in 1900 what was what was a, what was the infectious disease rate among human population in the United States. Do you know what it was? No idea. 14 out of 100,000 people, okay? Plus or minus, you know, what, whatever the number is. So that was in 1900. By the creation, before the creation of the polio or measles vaccine, guess what that came down to? One half out of 100,000 people. That means 98% of the infection, or in the case of measles, 98% of measles was wiped out before the measles vaccine. Question is how, why? So if you care about eliminating infectious diseases, that was wiped out before. How did that happen? Yeah. So No, so no, my question is how did that happen? Because of herd immunity, because we, we nope. got it. Nope, it, it occurred because of something very fundamental. It, it occurred because of sanitation. It occurred because of nutrition. It occurred because we ended child labor. It occurred because we started promoting vitamin A. It occurred because of refrigeration. It was called infrastructure, big infrastructure. And that occurred, if you look at that graph from 1900 to 1953, because in the late 1800s, the American working people, everyday people rose up in militant protests in the United States. And they demanded that the bourgeois, the elites in this country, treat them not like animals anymore. And because of that, we saw that infectious disease rate come, same time when the so-called the massive Spanish flu epidemic took place. Because in that period, the elites in the world were treating working people like dirt, okay? It was in the late post, 
you know, the, the beginning of the industrial era. That's what we need to think about. So infectious diseases, 98% of measles were wiped away long before vaccines. So Bill Gates, I mean, he's got his pretty home. He can send his daughters to, to nice equestrian places. He can shut down the economy because he's got the money. But what's occurred since 1960-70 in this country is a destruction again of the infrastructure. How many pesticides are in our water? How many, um, you know, how many pollutants are in the air right now? Number one source of death in the world is air pollution. Okay, dirty water, dirty air, and then dirty food. All brought to you by the same elites who control big ag and big pharma. That's what they've done. And they can't even get bridges and roads fixed. The United States got a D plus in infrastructure. When a bridge is not taken care of in time, when things rot, they go into the water systems. So we're talking about infrastructure is decaying in the United States. People's immune systems are decaying and they cannot address that fundamental issue. They, that's what we should have a public emergency on. Massachusetts got an F minus minus. Think about that by the American Society of Civil Engineers and Massachusetts got a D plus in corruption, highly corrupt. And these are the same people down in Cambridge who want to create the vaccines, right? They're the little biotech mafia. So let's talk to Bill Gates because he should be slapped upside the head a few times because he's a complete charlatan. Because the truth is that the sanitation worker and the you know plumber did more for infectious diseases than Bill Gates will ever do. Or for that matter, the pharmacist or the medical. That's what the data shows. That's what the math shows. In the United States right now, we have growing numbers of immunocompromised people. And those people, immune systems are decayed. And you know what? For those people, you're going to keep what? Vaccinating them? How many vaccines are you going to give them? Because for every vaccine you give them, you compromise their immune system more. And that's what's going on. It's an addictive heroin crack model of the immune system. That's what they want to do because they want us to get addicted to high sugar foods. This is just a fact. You can go look at the numbers. The FDA doesn't let you label something jam or jelly unless it has 40% sugar. So the entire policy in this country has been owned by a bunch of corrupt people. And what we're seeing right now is this is why people need people like me in the United States Senate. Because in a crisis like this, people need to call out what is truth and what is reality. And Bill Gates is taking advantage of this situation because he sees a huge monetary opportunity for him and his entities. Look, he doesn't pay taxes. He moved all of his wealth outside of, of us. He should be paying taxes. Meanwhile, he gets to put it in a foundation, pay zero taxes, except pay 5% he has to give away. And, and he gets to determine policy. He gets to be the czar of the world. Who appointed him? So I know we have a limited amount of time left. I want to I want to make sure we we address this specifically. But you obviously disagree with you, you you've used the term fake science around a lot of what's going on right now with particularly. With well, I'll I'll talk about there there. And so I want you to address that and then and what what exactly is your solution for what should what should be done and why it's not correct or why why you think it's not a good solution for people to just lock themselves in their home and wait for a vaccine? Look, there's a solution. In this case, the long-term and the short-term solution are the only solution. It's the, it's, they're one. There's no short-term and long-term. There's one solution, okay? And that solution is 
we need to make sure that people take care of their immune systems. It's immune health. It's immune health, it's immune health, it's immune health. Well, how do you take care of your immune systems? Well, you have to ensure that you're getting the right nutrients into the body for the right person at the right time. And you have to make sure that the environment around you has, is, 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 you know, is conducive to that. That's it. Whether it's this virus, another virus, etc. And that is a discourse that I've been, I think fortunately you see all the, my videos are going viral because people intuitively know everyday people are pretty, have a lot of common sense. The people who don't have common sense are the vulnerable educated elites. Okay. But number one, what do we do to take care of our immune health? Well, it begins with vitamin D. It begins with the green vegetables. It's really simple. Okay. And it begins with getting the vitamin C. Is your thyroid working? These are simple things people could do today with a TSH test. Is your mean corpuscular volume? Are you, is your body digesting foods properly? Okay. Do you have the right de density of hydrochloric acid and other things to digest your body? I mean, digest your stomach. Let's start there. That's like 90% of the solution that will govern your immune health. Now, relative to this situation, it is absolutely insane that the entire economy is being shut down. How many millions of people is that going to destroy? Well, the solution is you partition people, as I wrote to my letter in President to President Trump, let's take all the healthy people, give them, make sure their vitamin D and A levels are proper. And I recommended what I would do, right? The second level is the immunocompromised. Those people need a good booster of DNA, vitamin D and A, and support. And then you take the people who actually have COVID-19 and give them a nice high dosage to protect them from any virus. And then the people who are in critical care in the ICUs, they should get those protocols, but they should all be getting, you know, 100 grams, unless something, they have some really serious dysfunction of vitamin C, okay, and drip. This is, by the way, everything I've said is something that is in the literature. It's well-researched, it's well-studied. People can go to PubMed and just look at UVB radiation and, and immune system, and you'll see hundreds of papers written, a beautiful correlation between sunlight and immune function. But what's reprehensible is we've shut down the entire country, and this entire modus operandi is to move us that vaccines and pharma, big pharma is the only solution. So we're supposed to, I mean, the whole flatten the curve model is nonsense. You flatten the curve, what? You're basically taking this curve, you're flattening it, so you save time, until what the vaccine is created i think that's what this is about until the, vaccine, until the vaccine comes is created or you know the other idea is minimize hospital overwhelm and deaths right that, right but but, but so, not being able to get the icu treatment or ventilators right right so, so well we should really talk about the hospital infrastructure now okay the gpos and pbms this is a whole nother discussion we could have the level of corruption in the healthcare system where a five cents aspirin is sold for 50 bucks, go actually start looking at the costs. Go look at the infrastructure disaster in most of these hospitals, all right? Now we're talking about a problem that was a pre-existing condition, which was a hospital decaying corruption that has taken place. You know, the GPOs and the PBMs who are the middlemen who cranked up the cost of everything. So, we, so there are solutions for this. First of all, we should eliminate the Safe Harbor Act of around 2000, which allowed these middlemen to even exist and pay hospital administrators kickbacks. And as the truth will come out, which it will, you'll find out the WHO was absolutely complicit in this corruption. The CDC, the Gates Foundation, the Chinese government, all of them ha are still involved in this. 
and it's going on right now. And my thing is, I just did in a, a podcast is people should start knowing the truth, being their light and finding their own way. And the, the good news is there's lots of information out there. But the fundamentals are, yes, we should take care of our seniors. Yes, we should take about the immunocompromised. Let's support them as nutrients and support. But that doesn't mean we should be setting down the whole economy. This is like nonsense. And the Emperor Fauci is driving all of this. He's the one leading this effort. And the economists on the back end are being told to backfill in for his BS, frankly. I have a personal question for you, and then I want to ask you to to just have any final words that you want to share with people. But my personal question is, you you are, I've been watching a lot of your videos, you're calling these people out um, in a very fierce way. I mean, I keep watching your videos and I tell my wife, this guy is just fierce. That's like the best word to describe you. Um, And... I, I'm just wondering if you are at all concerned about your life. If if what you're saying is true, then are you concerned about them coming after you for trying to expose? Well, it's a, it's, it's an interesting question. You say um, you have to f- come to the conclusion, Ari. What is life? What is life? And everyone needs to ask this. Everyone needs to become vocal when you understand the reality. It's very very simple. Without freedom. You know, I grew up as an untouchable, okay? We were considered the lowest caste of the lowest caste, okay? So we weren't, I, I'm not even supposed to be here talking to you right now, okay? So to me, everything's icing on the cake. I've got nothing to lose, all right? Because where I came from, our people were supposed to be in bondage and treated as dirt, like de- deplorables or untouchables. So my view is this, freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom to interrogate is what it means to be a human being. And from freedom, we're able to dwell in and discover truth. And from truth, we're able to identify what's right for ourselves to create health. And from health, we get stronger to fight for freedom. Freedom, truth, health, truth, freedom. You see what I'm saying? Well, if you don't have freedom, what the hell are you? You're like those drones I saw walking around there. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much well-being you have. You are a slave. And that is the issue at hand right now. So what does it mean to, well, someone could hurt you, hurt me with what? You know, what do you want to be? Do we want to be a slave to a situation where you people can come into your home and you can't move anymore if you don't are not vaccinated and you don't follow their protocols? What kind of world have we created, Ari? Yeah. This is about do we want freedom or do we want to be slaves? That's where we're at. This isn't even dramatic. This question has come about every time in human the human journey. Lincoln brought it up in the 1800s. Kennedy brought it up and I'm bringing it up. This is about freedom or slavery. And if you want to be a slave, go for it. I'm not going to be part of it. You can be a drone. You can get your, you can do whatever you want. You can eat crap all day and you can get all the drugs. But you know what? My grandparents didn't bust their ass in the fields of India with leeches all of themselves so I can get educated, nor did the working class people in New Jersey who taught me what I know. That's who I'm fighting for. I don't give a damn for these people. And everyone should stop doing that and people should get fierce. What's happened in the United States is people's, uh, you know, you, 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 <laughs> you, you start hurting your body enough. Men lose their testosterone and women lose their estrogen and we forget who we are. We forget that we're supposed to be warriors. We're supposed to fight for our fellow humans. Otherwise, you're not human anymore. You're a robot. So people need to wake the hell up. This is not about me or you. It's about what does it mean to be a human being. In my view, we're sparks of God. And what that means is we're here to create and to be 
And if you can't create, and someone like Bill Gates, who frankly stole someone else's invention, and he grew up in a beautiful, nice environment with mama and papa, right? If he's gonna tell me what to do, screw him, okay? That's what this is about. And it's all founded on big pharma, big pharma, big pharma. Bill Gates owned a half a million shares in Monsanto. You know, we've destroyed the biodiversity of many of these indigenous cultures. Corn and soy, that's all they're supposed to grow. I'm sorry, when I went back to my village in India recently, the, the soil and everything's ruined by poisons. We're not supposed to live like this. If people wanna become robots like, you know, like whatever integrated robots, go for it. You can do that, but everyone should have choice. That's what this is about. If, if amidst this coronavirus outbreak, are there any just final summary words that you wanna leave people I, with specifically? I, I think the summary words are, people should understand Without freedom, you can never get to truth. And without truth, you will never get health. And without health, you won't have freedom. And it's, this is about your kids and your future. And what kind of world are we heading into? Are we heading into a minimum security prison? Is that what we're heading into? And, and this is not a conspiracy theory. When China has 200 million cameras, when we're installing cameras everywhere that can lead, read your lips, what freedom do you actually have? And that's what people should wonder. And what choices are you making? And what does it mean to be a human being anymore? China is top down. They treat their people like dirt. Are we going to become a colony of China? That's what the question is. China, look, I'll end with this. When the British came to India, you know what they did? India used to produce the most amazing textiles, weavers, mills. You know what they did? They stopped manufacturing in India, shut down those people. In fact, there's a story where they cut the thumbs of 5,000 weavers. And they moved all of that to England, Manchester of England, right? Well, think about what's happened in the United States. We've moved all of our manufacturing to China. And I'm not talking about nationalist or not nationalist, but the fundamental issue here is what does the United States produce anymore? And when, so where is this country headed? Are we becoming a colony of China? And I'm not pro or anti-Chinese because the Chinese treat their people horribly. There was anti-pollution protests in China in Wuhan before all this took place. Are we entering into a state capitalist environment, 10 people merge with the government, control everyone else? That's what Bill Gates wants. That's what Mark Zuckerberg wants. That's what Hillary Clinton wants. They do not want people from below thinking for themselves. That's what this is all about. This has nothing to do with a virus. People should wake up. This is not about a virus. Your body has 380 trillion viruses inside of it. Well, a lot, a lot to think about. Uh, Dr. Ayuderai, thank you so much thank uh, you. for Be coming well. on. This, this, has been, this has been pretty mind-blowing, to say the least, and uh, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. You know, Be the light. Take care. Yeah. I'm going to stop here to everyone out there.